Welcome to Bickering Peaks with Aiden and Lindsay. Yes, you are. Uh, it's been a bit of a hiatus for us. We yes. haven't talked to you or... Well, yeah, you're not talking to us. We're talking to you. We haven't talked to you. <laughs> People might talk to us while we're... They're like, oh, those idiots as they're driving their car. Maybe. I hope so. I really yeah. hope so. But if you're if you are driving, pay attention to the roads. Very important. Very important, as Andy says. We haven't spoken to you via podcast in about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on vacation for uh, a little while there. Yep. Um, we went to the... West coast of Canada, we spent some time on Salt Spring Island, mm-hmm. which is where I spent many summers as a, as a child. Um, Aiden was none too impressed with my idea to uh, uh, bring our Funko Audrey and Funko Dale Cooper along with us. But I was impressed by your dedication to taking those photos yeah. in all sorts of situations, including those where it probably wasn't safe or intelligent to do so. Well, I didn't, I didn't do anything that, w- that was really dramatically unsafe. We <laughs> did almost lose one of the Funkos in the ocean in Vesuvius Bay yeah. one evening. We went for like a, a sunset dip your toes in the ocean kind of thing and Cooper almost you know washed out into the Pacific mm-hmm. um uh I didn't put the uh, the the closest that anything you know that could have happened was when we went sailing um yeah we had the Funkos with us then and uh they were, there was, I mean it I was I, pretty calm seas it was not that yes, much of a real but, risk, but you know if you if you lose a, a plastic toy in the middle of Ganges Harbor it's probably not coming back to you so no. um I did meet some interesting people. We, uh, uh, our bed and breakfast host, um, okay, story time. So <laughs> Salt Spring Island is a bit of a hippie paradise. It's, yeah. it, it was a destination for people in the 60s um, who wanted to kind of get off the grid a little bit. It was always a very progressive place. There were a lot of uh, freed slaves who came up from the San Francisco area, apparently, and Hawaiians. Uh, so, the, I mean, going back to the middle of the 1800s. So it's always been a very progressive place. So people there have um, very interesting ways of engaging with the modern world. And um, it, it seems like the kind of place where you could just do whatever you want. There's lots of artists and craftspeople, and there are a lot of people who are very spiritual. And um, I didn't read our hostess as being one of these people, but when we showed her, she, she came into our suite to bring us breakfast one day, and uh, we had the Funkos on the fireplace, and she made a comment about you know people bringing spirits with them, and these were like our spirits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess that, that sealed it for me. I, I didn't feel as embarrassed about it. Not like when I was on the ferry, and the <laughs> one guy I talked to on the ferry who saw me set up the, the uh, photo of Cooper running off to meet the captain. Which was also an interesting story, but I'll save that for another time. <laughs> well, you can anybody who doesn't didn't follow the story, you can go on Twitter. Uh, Lindsay posted many many photos. I of did. It. I made a Different moment parts. of it. It's mm-hmm. it's pinned to our profile, so <laughs> if you are interested, or it, it is pinned as of now, but you know eventually it will be replaced. But it's anyway, but it's there it's if you there. want to look for it. Yeah. Um, you can see all of our Funko Pop adventures. That's at Bickering Peaks on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, by all means, do check that out. Uh, we had a great time. It was yeah. a lot of fun, and uh, now we're back. Yeah. And we're ready to talk about Buddy Farrow. Buddy Farrow. Buddy Farrow. It it is 
not something I okay I had no idea what the show was I me had, neither Aiden described it to me and I thought oh it feels very or it sounds very much like the equalizer which was Mark yep. Frost's uh early 1980s well that wasn't his show that it was wasn't his show for, but, but it yes. felt like that kind of show where it's like you know a, a lone detective going out into the world to solve crimes this was not at all like that in any way shape no. or form um, Buddy Farrow. <laughs> yeah, we described, I think the best way is 90s noir. That is yeah. the best way of kind of summing it up because it has this uh, noirish detective uh, callback, especially there's Buddy Farrow went missing. Uh, the premise of the story is that, yeah, Buddy Farrow was a, a huge private eye. In everybody, the 70s yeah, in everybody Los knew Angeles. him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he even had his own TV show made after yes. him uh, and everything. So he was a huge name and then he went off the grid in 1978. Disappeared, disappeared. after the death of a woman that he loved, yes. which is something that comes up in the first episode. Yeah. And we didn't watch the entire. Uh, eight episode run yeah. of the of this series yet, but I definitely am going to watch the rest of it. So, yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. So he goes off the grid, and then the the first episode opens up with the search for him twenty years later. So it's nineteen ninety eight yeah. is when this series was set, and it aired in ninety eight in the fall, the four months of fall in in uh, late nineteen ninety eight on CBS. Yeah. Didn't do too well. No. There were 13 episodes aired, or 13 episodes filmed, filmed and eight of them aired. And I'm not even sure if the final five are available to anyone. There, there's no DVD release as far as I could tell. There's There's been no follow-up release on this whatsoever. But the eight that were aired are available on YouTube. On YouTube. So and we'll it, link to that in our... <laughs> yes, and sometimes um, uh, not so great format. There's, it, yeah. Sometimes it feels like someone just recorded it off of VHS. Sometimes yes. it feels like somebody just set up a camcorder in front of the TV yeah. and recorded it. So the quality is not great, but it's... And there it's are some a, moments where, like, the sound cuts out or, or whole scenes are cut yeah, and stick yeah, around. So it's a little hard to follow at times. But you get the general gist of it, which is that, yeah, there's this detective who's been found and is now um, working with this young gun who was a fan of Buddy Farrow's back in the day and watched the TV show as a young boy and now gets to work with him as they reopen his uh, his offices, which are very, like, swingin' 70s, but with yeah. this awesome jazz soundtrack below yeah. that feels very 50s. Yeah, it, um, it, it's, it's great. It's odd, because it is 90s, calling back to a 70s kind of era in a lot of uh, references and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it's really a throwback to noir of the 30s through right. 50s, really. Yeah. It's kind of, it collects all that kind of, uh, stuff all together and then mangles it into this 90s uh, yeah, look. Yeah, at, at, at some point I, re- I remarked to Aiden when we were watching the first episode that this felt like a Smash Mouth video. Yes. Like it had this very saturated color, yeah. um, odd camera angles, very much like the music videos, the very poppy music videos yeah. from the late 90s, yeah. um, which of course brought back a lot of great memories for me personally, yeah. but and you I'm sure as well, <laughs> yes, Aiden. Yes, very much. Um, but it it was fresh and very hip and obviously a parody of these detective shows that were being taken so seriously, which I find really fascinating yeah. because Mark Frost got his start working on doing it. on a serious detective the show, serious yeah, detective exactly. show that modeled every other detective show is modeled after really Hill yeah. Street Blues, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, at the time, I mean, nineteen ninety eight. You think back to what was popular. I mean, it was running on TV. It was running against like the TGIF lineup on ABC, which was like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and uh, Boy Meets World, and all these shows that were really 
you know, the height of popular. Everybody watched TV. On. But, it, but it was also, those are also very teen shows. They the are. Teen, that's true. Teens were the kind of key demographic yes. at this point in time. Right. And this so is the, not really a teen show. I can't imagine. No, it, it would be like, you know, at, at youngest college age. But yeah. I mean, that demographic was being drawn to like NBC and Dateline. And, yeah. you know, their musty TV on Thursday nights leading into the weekend was where everything was happening. So, I mean, CBS didn't really have much going on. No. And it was, yeah. And it was, and you could tell this, it was kind of a challenge because this, it's, it's a very funny show. I mean, this is the Mark Frost sense of humor, uh, coming through in spades. I mean, this is very much like on the air. It feels like that. There's that wacky kind of, uh, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like the dialogue is very witty and quick and, the humor is, like you said, it's 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 not quite surreal no. humor, but there's there, it's quirky. I yeah, guess, it's quirky. In a way, is it? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and I love the way that and you know the other thing that was happening around that time. I mean, I think the first Austin Powers film came out in '97, yes. so this felt very much yes, like yes. that kind of thing because Buddy Farrow comes back from exile, like he's he's self exiled. But he's been in Mexico, which is not a third world, no, like or it's not even another planet. Like it's it's just across the border. border. But he comes you can back still get and CBS. On yeah, TV. he doesn't know what ATMs are. He yeah. doesn't understand. Like he doesn't know who make, Letterman is. Like, right, they make all these references that he doesn't get, and it's it's played for laughs. It's not really believable. So in that sense, I guess it's maybe a little bit surreal. surreal yeah, but you can kind of feel the way that um, that. I, I, I don't know what the influence would have been, you know, when the show would have been written compared to when Austin Powers came out, but that kind of idea of yeah, uh, fish out of water situations yeah, being but really funny, being it having it be um, time displacement, yeah, I think yeah, is kind of yeah. fun. And I, I, I mean, we've only I've only watched three episodes. I don't know how many you. Yeah, I watched I watched two and a half. I didn't finish the third one. Uh, yeah. before we recorded, but yeah. So I mean, I don't know how much more. Like, at what point does Buddy Farrow catch up with the '90s? But yeah. it is interesting to see this '70s sensibility. Yeah. You know, this swinger playboy type yeah. guy. Yeah. There's a lot of sexism there too. Oh sure. You know, yeah. But yeah. but to have it played out against this like new age '90s, you know the so Dennis Farina plays Buddy uh, Buddy Farrow, and Frank Whaley plays. Uh, Bob Jones, who is the detective who, in the very first episode, is hired by this woman who's pretending to be Buddy, Buddy Farrow's niece. Yeah. She's trying to contact him because um, he's the next of kin for a family member who has died, and now he's inheriting, you know, several millions of, of dollars. dollars yeah. And obviously, she's been hired by somebody nefarious to try and get this money yeah, for them instead. Well, there and actually, there probably is no. At the end of the episode, it's kind of not clear, but I don't think there actually is an inheritance. It was literally no, just a yeah, setup to get Jim, to get Bob to to find Buddy Farrell. Yeah. Um. And eventually, yeah, Buddy and him both go back to LA and capture the bad guy and everything. And the girl that they hired, played by Allison Smith, who yeah. I, I mean, the she was in um, oh my god, The West Wing. Well, yes, yeah, she was in The West Wing, but she was in a show in the eighties. Where she played, she was a teenager, and like it was the two women and the two girls, and they lived in the same house. And why can't I remember the name of the show? What is the show you're talking about? Kate Nally. Kate Nally. That's the one. Oh, yes. Uh, that's a show I totally knew existed. <laughs> My mom watched it. I loved this show growing up. Kate really? Nally. Yeah, it was great. I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, she ends up 
kind of working for them and she's the love interest eventual love interest of bob jones cycling back to this new age male thing bob jones is a private eye obviously and very cut from a very different cloth than buddy Buddy, pharaoh his girlfriend is a an artist who art dealer an art dealer yeah something like that and i mean all the things that there's this hilarious scene in the first uh, first episode where she kicks him out of the house for letting Buddy in to, you know, once they realize that uh, someone is out to kill Buddy and now Bob by extension, um, she kicks him out of the house and, and the things that he's using to try and like win her back are just, it's like the height of the the making fun of the new age man of man the 90s. Of the yeah. 90s. Yeah. You take your crew and you go find yourself you a hotel. You How breathe. dare you bring up that, that thing Queen of banana home. land, baby. Queen of banana just land. Just listen to yourself. You're wheezing. You're not breathing now. Just, just you know relax. You know how vulnerable I am up to my group. Remember what we learned at the ashram. You have my feelings. Forgiveness, perspective, and love. I was this close to a major epiphany. Hey, I was pretty close to an epiphany myself. Until all we've been through together, how can you be so insensitive? Never negotiate with a terrorist, Bob. Not after all the Brittany, work I have Brittany, done. let me in. We'll have a nice warm yogurt bath. I simply won't stand for it. Yes. Which is just, yeah, I mean, it's 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 offensive in a way, but it's it's also kind of... Well, that was the type at the time. Like, yeah. It's kind of like the Jerry Maguire-esque, you know, new age sensitive man kind of yeah. thing. And they were, yeah, playing it for kind of laughs. Especially because Buddy Farrell is the exact opposite. He's a very yeah, typical... Never take a yogurt bath with his, you know, a warm yogurt bath with his girlfriend to try and win her back. No. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was really interesting to watch. It was really fun. And it I feel like show, it was yeah. smarter than the audience. I feel like it was probably, probably smarter than the audience, um, any audience at the time, really. Uh, which is maybe why it didn't catch on. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what... Uh, would have happened because there's there wasn't there's not a lot of like online criticism obviously to look mm. back at or anything like that uh, to to talk about you know what the reaction to the show was um, I mean it was all based on ratings at this point so uh, yeah it, it was in a not so great time slot on on Friday against those TGI shows and against Dateline um, so that probably had more than anything to do with it because it is quite a fun show um, it's it doesn't ask a lot but it's got some twists and turns and enough jokes along the way to keep you going and the characters are, are quite interesting actually mm-hmm. um, but he's kind of you know played against uh, Bob as you know the two um, main male characters and then uh, Allison Smith yes uh, her character's kind of interesting too and she kind of uh, even in the few episodes we watch she's kind of like working her way out of like the secretary role and she wants to be in the field and she yeah. wants to you know she'll be a, a, an important part of the team um, the fourth main character is played by Charles Robinson Charles Robinson and he is uh, kind of Buddy's old friend who helped him set it up in Mexico and he, yeah. he uh, Buddy owes him a bunch of money because of course he failed as a businessman yeah do they there. run a bowling alley they run a bowling alley in, uh, in Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so he kind of takes along back to L.A. And, yeah. And uh, he becomes part of the team, too. So it's it's like this, they form this little core unit, and um, it, it feels like a, a show that, that can expand naturally. Like, they mm. have these interesting kind of core characters that have some some dynamics. You know, there's the love interest and the, you know, buddies past, and he has all these old enemies that are out to get him all the time. And, you know, so there, there's all this uh, kind of, 
back and forth that can happen there. It feels like a story or a room, or, sorry, a series where there's room for the stories to grow. You, you it feels I, like I a put story. All, yeah, room, I you got just all had those all words, all those all nouns. You yeah. just, yeah, it was impressive. <laughs> well, it eventually came out, but yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, I think I still think that it, it was just too intelligent. Like, I don't think anybody got that it was a parody. I think that was mm. part of the problem. I don't know. I feel like it's pretty blatant about it. I mean, maybe people just weren't ready for, to be parodied about the shows that they also enjoyed. And that you could know? be right because, I mean, you look at these that these shows. So, you know, Law & Order SVU, I think, started in 98 or 99. Yeah, but there's the Law regular Law & Order. The Law & Order original yeah. series started in... 86 or 87 Right, or so it yeah. had been going on for a while. Um, these were shows that were going to become like the cornerstone shows of... of yeah. Well, there was uh, NYPD Blue. Yeah, there exactly. Was all these, all these cop so, shows. At this so, time. Um, but even shows. Well, I think the medical shows were a little bit more drawn out. But a lot of these shows had e- each episode dealt with a case. Mm-hmm. It wasn't common for you know yeah, it, it to stretch, stretch out, out over anything, yeah. you know multiple episodes, which is something Hill Street did. But mm-hmm. um, Buddy Farrow kind of takes it to an absurd extreme. I guess I, I will say that like the. The second episode is The Curse of the Pharaoh, yeah. which is just like ridiculously outside the realm of possibility. Like there's some guy who feels slighted that he wasn't cast as Buddy Pharaoh in the 70s as, you know, yeah, so and, and, and his whole career was derailed because of it. So he like kidnaps George Hamilton, who, who plays was, himself, yeah. who did play Buddy Pharaoh in the 70s in, within the show. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, like it's and just, also uh, he yeah kidnaps Allison Smith's character, and then he right. just and he's gonna kill them all, but he's just mentally unstable. And then Buddy comes in but and they, rescues yeah, yeah, him. But there's like he's acting out scenes and dressing people up in in Pharaoh costumes, yeah. and it's a play on on Pharaoh, the name F A R O. It's just like, but it also t- again it ties back to all the noir, uh, you know, it absolutely Egyptian does. and yes. all those kind of uh, you know pulpy stories kind of stuff. But at the same time, it does stick to that like the case is solved at the end of the episode, yeah. and there's always like right before the last commercial break or the second last commercial break, they figure out what's going to happen and they go rescue they go, the damsel yeah, in exactly. distress, and it's like, but it's it's not played seriously yeah. it, at any point. No. So, like, I don't think there was a single moment of, of seriousness that in the three hours that I watched. So, it's... Uh, which is, like... I, I mean, compared to a show like... Yeah. Twin Peaks? <laughs> no, I, I was thinking, like, the cop shows. Like, yeah, the cop yeah, dramas, for sure. which didn't have... If they had moments of hilarity, it was it Almost was on moments, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, they were much more serious. So, yeah. this... Like, I can't think of a single... Aside from Cop Rock... Which we briefly talked <laughs> yeah, about when about, we yeah. when we did Hill Street. Um, I can't think of a single cop comedy mm-hmm. or buddy comedy that that worked on TV like this. Yeah, which is why I think Brooklyn Nine Nine was so revolutionary when it yeah, came when out it came because out. it is the only you know comedy cop drama. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's the only one aside from maybe Buddy Farrow that has ever been attempted. But why did Brooklyn Nine Nine succeed when it did? Whereas, well. Buddy Farrow failed well, at the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Book of Nine-Nine plays on a bunch of the other uh, shows that, uh, that that work well, like 
Parks and Rec and The Office. It's, not, sure. it's a workplace comedy. You yes. know, I mean, it, does, it doesn't have the winking at the camera kind of so stuff. So in this, this but, is what I mean. Like, I think that at the time, Buddy Farrell was just like Twin Peaks. It was ahead of its time. It was, it was. Uh, I mean, we don't know the history. I mean, there might have been five shows like this that also all failed and we never even heard about them. Right? Sure. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, but, but I can, I agree. I think it was, it was probably just, uh, the audience wasn't there for it. It probably mm-hmm. wasn't ready for this kind of uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. you know, and and jokes and stuff. Uh, but it, it is now it feels it still feels modern. I mean, there are yet yeah, there's some sexism in a lot of like this stuff Buddy does. And there's a lot of women just parading around <laughs> half naked a lot of the time. Uh, stuff that wouldn't definitely wouldn't fly today. It, it, if it if it happened on on a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it would be. Um, played very smartly. This here, it's yeah. just like you know when they open up Buddy's offices again, and There's part an of it, yeah, part of it has been yeah. taken over by these aerobics women. Um, there, you know, they just there's a moment where the three men in the scene just stand there and watch these women gyrating, you know, through the glass window. Like I can't imagine that being played straightly or unironically by any comedy these days, especially now after the Me Too thing has has uh kind of cascaded over yeah. hollywood so um in that sense it is very much a product of its time but uh by the same token i mean it's still i don't think that buddy Farrow's take is necessarily the one i mean we are supposed to side with him and and think that well, bob jones is a little bit ridiculous i feel like it's it's playing both right it it's, does it's kind it of playing the generational the way gap too. it's yeah. like well no but you know buddy's an, a dinosaur who doesn't know who david letterman is so yes of course there's but he's still cool like he, <laughs> well, like, he yeah, still yeah, gets the true. women exactly, and he yeah. still has the cool you know shea carpet in the he didn't quite have an eames chair but yeah. it wasn't far off i mean yeah the, the better part was uh you know uh austin powers did a better job of like forcing this character to grow up a little bit and maybe that's something we get over the course of the right. season right. with buddy farrow um that's what it feels like at least so mm-hmm. i mean yeah it's 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 interesting to think of uh if the show had continued if it had a different time slot if it found you know if it was a tuesday night program mm-hmm. and it didn't have as much thick competition maybe it would have done better mm-hmm. and you know who knows um one thing we should clarify i don't think we actually mentioned this yet so this is a mark frost created show yes. so he is listed as the only creator uh, uh he wasn't the only writer i think no, there were other writers were later on but the they'd three had a writing room yeah episodes that i watched were all written. for sure the first two yeah, were, were written, written by, by mark frost, frost. Um, and uh, they were both directed by uh, Charles Hayde. Charles Hayde who from was uh, Hill Street. Hill Street Blues. Yep. And he was um, also in uh, the one we watched. The Believers. The Believers. No, not no, not the Believers. believers. Uh, Storyville. Storyville. Yes. Um, and yeah, so he directed both of those two episodes. The third episode uh, was Leslie Linkletter, so that yes. was a nice little tieback. Yes. Um, Joanna Ray didn't do the casting, but there was another production member that was from Twin Peaks, I think. Barry Pullman was involved at some point. Yeah. I don't know. He wasn't. No, Charles Hayde was a co-executive producer on the show. But, oh, okay. Um, but Barry Pullman was a writer, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so that, that was kind of cool to see that. Um, I mean, that this would be the third production that Charles Hayde worked on with Mark Frost. Mm-hmm. Third? Fourth? Third or fourth. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah. But just the fact that, and then all obviously with some of the the Twin Peaks stuff that that came in with, um, like Leslie Gladder and mm-hmm. um, that the, that Mark Frost was kind of doing pulling a David Lynch and surrounding himself with people. Maybe this is something that's way more common. Oh, I'm sure. Hollywood. It is. I'm sure yeah. it is. You work yeah. with the people that you like, yeah. right? Yeah. But it was it was still kind of neat to see those callbacks to previous Mark Frost pro- uh, well, projects. And it, and it was interesting to see. Uh, 
how uh, he directed the first episode and how it was kind of set up. It was it sets that that kind of madcap tone, mm-hmm. and it and it is very unique. I mean, within ten minutes, you're like, okay, this is the feel for the show. It's very good at setting that tone, um, and following through and setting something that you know Leslie Linklater in the third by the third episode, she has a repertoire to work with. It's yeah. very much like Twin Peaks that way, where you know David Lynch set a very clear uh, visual and uh, tonal. Yeah, uh, like the color the palette is similar. Yeah. Although some of that might also be just the crappy quality that yeah, everything kind watch. of looks really oversaturated. Who knows what it would be like if it were yeah, remastered, remastered on the original. Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it did, yeah, I mean, it had a very, like I said, a very 90s music video almost feel like. Yeah. Low camera angles, wide angle well, lenses. And, and the interesting part for me is that it is very clearly and upfront in your face about being filmed in L.A. It is, oh, yes. It is a Southern California production. Um, and it, it plays on a lot of Hollywood tropes as well. You know, there's the stars with, you know, I'm ready for my close up in, yeah. in the second episode with the Pharaoh actor. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of Hollywood callbacks. It feels very much like, uh, some David Lynch films in that way. And that there's this, uh, there's also, uh, interestingly enough, 98, uh, 97 was lost. High. It was the start of the David Lynch trilogy of mm-hmm. California films. This one is very California. Mm-hmm. In fact, the third episode features a woman with amnesia and that's yeah. starting off a whole little mystery, just like Mulholland Drive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to think that, you know, at this point, Mark Frost and David Lynch had departed. They weren't working together anymore. Uh, you know, it had been eight years since Twin Peaks started or first aired, I guess. Yeah. And it would be another 17 until they really get back to it. Um, but they're still kind of following. They still have some similar trajectories and some similar notes um, across all of them. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, that, that I hadn't thought of that. There, there were some other interesting things that came up. I mean, um, the idea that that Mark Frost at this point was thinking about a detective character mm-hmm. coming back to his job after a 20-year departure. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that he was thinking about Twin Peaks at all, but sure to not. see that come back in a serious, dramatic fashion in Twin Peaks and yeah. the return 25 years after Twin Peaks finished, I mean, it was hard not to yeah, draw comparisons. Um, and, and you said like all those fish out of water jokes. You were hoping for more of that. Well, in Twin yeah, Peaks. because I remember when the series was first announced, when the return was first announced. Um, thinking, okay, well, they have to bring Cooper back. Well, you know, what what are the things that he's not going to understand about modern life? And I wrote this whole, like, treatment for a, a story slash screenplay wherein, you know, Agent Cooper uh, goes to order coffee at Starbucks and has to deal with cold brew? Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Or um, cell phones. triple whip, no frappe latte yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Which, Which is something that does come back in Buddy Farrell, where he goes into a, uh, I think it's a Seattle's Best. Yeah. And the guy, uh, Bob Jones, orders a whatever. Yeah, 16-word um, yeah, order. Yeah. And then, yeah, but he's and, like, coffee, black. <laughs> Half-calf, double shot, no whip percent soy, double shot, mocha, macchiato, long like that that's the kind of stuff that i kind of not that i expected it i didn't expect it from twin peaks but it would have been kind of a fun little way of reintroducing cooper to the real world yeah um who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll continue working on that. Now that I've seen Buddy Farrow, I can see how Mark Frost would have handled it. Yeah. I can do it myself. But yeah, um, 
so I yeah I couldn't help but draw that comparison. There were also some interesting little things, the little that, tidbits that yeah, happened that came, that, that came up in the three episodes that we watched. I mean, in the second episode, um, Peggy Lipton is name dropped, yeah, uh, as being. <laughs> She was in one of the episodes of the Buddy Farrow show in the 70s, and that's what got her her job on the Mod Squad, which is just hilarious to yeah. me. Um, and then there was it was it the first it was the first episode. Where was it? Where the detect there was a yes no there was a bad guy yeah a one bad of the bad guys. guys names was Fusco Fusco which is not a, <laughs> not common, a common name, name. so no. it it was it kind of gave, like I got jittery I thought oh cool okay so it's not just David Lynch's past works that we're drawing on no. you know David Lynch and Mark Frost sat together in a room and the detectives Fusco were fleshed out and that was the name they chose. Did Mark Frost suggest it because it came from one of the projects that he worked on that didn't was go it, very far? It's just one of his names that he loves yeah, to use or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I it, thought that was really cool. Yeah, and it, it, it also, I mean, again, this this detective coming back, uh, yeah, as you said, as a chronological capsule, as it were, uh, you know, that's that's something that um, fed into the, the return and everything as well. Sure. I mean, it's not played for laughs as much, but, you know, so, I mean, again, this is just more evidence of, especially the sense of humor uh, mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you can definitely see he there's some awkward moments. Uh, the, Buddy Farrow's a bit more um, focused on, you know, witty dialogue for, for a lot of its laughs. But there are a few, you know, like uh, awkward moments that, you know, uh, seem like, uh, what's his name on the bike? In The Return. Played by Eric, by... Elvis, not Elvis. Brando. Oh, <laughs> Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Eric, 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 Elvis, Manic. What? Marlon Brando. This is guys, guys. Seriously, this is what I have to live with. This guy cannot remember my name half the time. Who are you? Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you know, a scene like that. Uh, you know, it's it's it feels more like a Mark Frost comedy moment after we've kind of gone through the Mark Frost uh, catalog. So I think that's what, you know, um, seeing this as a pure comedic take on a detective story and then coming back to Twin Peaks and, and all of those moments that people have for so long have said, oh, that's David Lynch's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, yeah. I, I think that. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, David Lynch hasn't done a comedy movie. He's never made a comedy no, project, No, I, think, I really. think reading One Saliva Bubble or um, the bovine script that I, the name escapes me, but the one that he wrote, I mean, I can I can see those being funny, but it feels like David Lynch's form of funny is either very darkly comic or unintentional. I don't, I, I, I'm, I, he has a sense of humor. I mean, he has to oh, have yeah, a sense yeah. of humor. <laughs> Obviously, Obviously yeah. <laughs> but I think that the intentional moments of comedy that are put into Twin Peaks, it's so much clearer to me now that it's Mark Frost's fingerprints all well, over Well, yeah, and, and the fact that they, they match up and they have a similar sense of humor, I think, is, sure. is something we've we've kind of talked about, especially with One Slime Bubble and On the Air. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was, yeah, of course. It right. was the, the perfect uh, summary of that because yeah, they David really Lynch did Yeah, David Lynch has that. that surreal, where the surreality of it is funny. But in, in some ways, I mean, we haven't watched Rabbits yet. We haven't talked about it for this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there are moments of that that, that are, yeah, from what be, I've yeah. seen, are, are funny. Yeah. But they're not meant to be funny. It's like um, yeah. it's you're, a, you're laughing because you're uncomfortable. Exactly. Almost. Yeah. But there's there doesn't seem to be much of that in, well, 
in any of Mark Frost's comedy moments, but certainly not in Buddy Farrow because mm-hmm. it's just um, this is comedy for comedy's sake. Like yeah. it is a comedy. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it's funny. And it is funny. It yes, is funny. comedy is funny. Also, newsflash: <laughs> water is wet. I'm just saying you can have comedy shows that aren't funny. This one actually <laughs> right, is, is what like I'm yeah. Two Broke Girls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We won't go into God. that. No. Look out, LA! Buddy is back in town. Okay, so I mean, quick episode. Yeah, kind of a quick I mean, rundown. it is. I mean, it's it, again. We'll link to, obviously to the YouTube yeah. uh, videos. Uh, it is a. It's a really good show. I yeah, I'm definitely. I think I'm gonna watch the rest. Oh, of it. for sure. And I again highly encourage you to do the same. Just for I I kind of wish that we'd had more time to watch all, all of, them, of the yeah. eight episodes that are available. Just because there's probably other things that are gonna be missed. Yeah. Um. But we'd like to hear from you guys if you if you've watched them all or if you remember watching them when they were originally on. Yeah, that would um, be interesting. It, it the information about the show is pretty sparse, so I mean, hearing about what the um, original viewers at the time and what the conversations were like, if there were any, or if you remember it being canceled or anything like that, that would be really cool to find out just um, for our own curiosity. But uh, yeah, I think it's definitely worth worth looking at. So, Aiden, what are we doing next? Next up is the straight story. Ooh, that's also fun. what I've called the simple story yeah. about a billion times. Also, yes, the simple have. plan probably once or twice. <laughs> Jesus, I was a fan of that band back in about the time this movie came out. <laughs> uh, it's a 1999 film uh, by yes. David Lynch, yeah. and it is uh, well, it's interesting. I've never watched it. Have you? I have not watched it. No. So this will be the first time I think we've ever watched something together for the first time. No. Storyville. No, but it, for the podcast, like I think we've we've watched. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, of a Dave Lynch film. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's because we've usually watched something before. But yeah, yeah, we definitely yeah. got into David Lynch, bef- you know, in far greater depth than yeah. we ever did Mark Frost, which is why we're doing this on the podcast. Exactly. But Mark Frost, we're leaving behind for a little bit to yep. to move on to the straight story, which um, I think a lot of people feel is one of David Lynch's underappreciated films. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of heart to it, from what I hear. And yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard it described as his American graffiti. How George Lucas mm. went and did, you know, a very straightforward teen, you know, movie mm-hmm. about driving in California in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in between before he did Star Wars, you know, and right. after he did THX eleven thirty eight or whatever it was called. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like his. They were like, oh well, you can do all the sci fi stuff. Now I'm gonna yeah, do go and do a, a, a simple story. Yeah, yeah. and. David Lynch is, you know, not known for his, his straightforward his straight stories. stories. So, uh, yeah, this will be an interesting look. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we, we jump back to Mark Frost with... Um, the Deadly Look of Love. Deadly look of Love. Which was which a TV, made-for-TV movie. So, awesome. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> well, they're we do. so bad. No, they're awesome. <laughs> Sometimes they're bad. they can be, yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll see, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Definitely uh, check out Buddy Farrow again. Uh, let us know if you have any thoughts or comments about the show and yeah i guess we'll see you guys well we'll talk to you you won't talk to us <laughs> unless right. you are talking to us but By i will means, remind continue. you eyes on the road drive safe If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.